Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Today on the podcast, Michael and I get to talk for the first time in two months. So we're calling this one the one where we catch up. We talk about what we've been doing, what we've been learning, what God's been teaching us, and anything else that comes up, really. So why don't you just sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey, Michael, how is it going this month? Ah, it's going well. It's been a long time since we visited. How are you? I am doing really, really well. I'm uh, home for a couple weeks and then going to a kid's camp. Been to two camps earlier in the summer, got to speak at camp, so it's a busy one. And uh, I saw you're coming to a camp not too far from me, the camp I go to to speak yeah, here in a, be a, camp bond. a week or so. Be at Camp yeah. Bond for Southwest Oklahoma and uh, going to talk about Marvel. Um, Marvel is kind of a play on the whole. Uh, superhero theme that we got going on in the country right now but uh can talk about how we uh, how we stand in awe of god and hopefully we never lose our wonder yeah well that'll be good and i think you'll be a good person to do that because you definitely have a lot of wonder (laughs) in your life i feel like yeah Uh, i i am that i am that man child who never grew up who's always picking daisies instead of playing baseball have you seen any um, of the Marvel movies that have come out this summer? We don't want to do too many spoilers. No, I yes, I saw them. You all. I saw every one you of did? them. Yes, mm-hmm. I love those movies, but part of me is just like, are we ever going to move to anything else? <laughs> like, are there any new stories to be written? Well, I you know, do you I ever saw, feel that way? I do, I do. But then I saw everything, or yesterday, not everything, yesterday. Uh, the movie about what Yesterday, if the what if the Beatles love was such an easy game to play. Did you that one? did you see the movie? No. Oh yeah. Well, it's that song. Uh, and what if the Beatles, you know, disappeared or were never, never were oh, a thing? And, see, I didn't know that's what that was. Oh yeah, it's a and it was. Was it good? It was just as pleasant as it could be. Well, that's. Good. I just really I. I know a lot of people had a lot of commentary about it, but man... Yeah, I, heard, I, I saw some negative reviews. I just sat there and smiled for most of it because they made, you know, fun... Because you would love to know of a world without the Beatles? No, actually, I, it, was, it, it, it didn't want to know about a world without the Beatles either. It wanted to know about, you know, yeah. how could we add their songs back into the world and, and the impact they made. It was, it was such a... Uh, I was delighted. I enjoyed it. Of course, you know, that so, may have been the mood that I was in. I was just sitting there enjoying it and didn't, you know. Of course, I'm not I'm not an Uber Beatles fan. And I think Uber Beatles fans were probably like, this wasn't about the Beatles and they screwed this up. You know, I'm sorry. You know, I just don't. I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a big see, fan. See, I'm not usually a critic either. I, I like go to the movies to watch and just to be entertained. I mean, I thought that's what was the point of movies. I'm not... 
always like, oh, that storyline was so horrible. Now, every <laughs> once in a while, I get that way if it's just completely unbelievable uh, and if it's yeah. completely ridiculous. But, yeah, so we, I was realizing that this is the first time in a long time that neither one of us went to NYC. We have to talk about that. Oh, one. yeah, Nazarene Youth Conference. It just happened yeah. in Phoenix. Yeah. I think there's a rumor going around that you and I are both dead. So it's a good thing we're, yeah. we're doing this podcast now because we can, we can prove the rumors are not true. Well, Tate was there, and so, you know, God's not dead, but neither are we. <laughs> both of my kids, Maggie and Jonah, both got to spend time with Michael Tate. Maggie, Did they Maggie really? won a backstage pass. And, nice. and uh, then Michael Tate decided to sit in on the, before the concert, sit in on the speaker or whatever, and um, turns out he was sitting next to Jonah. Wow. Yeah, so. I heard that Jonah, like, got on stage Oh, Jonah got on stage. You know, that's his MO. He played a game called Taste Buddies. He, he, Taste Buddies. Yeah, he claims he was ripped off. He's like, we got all four of them, and they only got three of them. Just because they got them faster than us doesn't mean, you know, and he's but right. he's got this yeah. whole reason that he got ripped off um, kind of thing going on. Don't we all? Yeah, oh, yeah. Don't we all? <laughs> yes. Yeah, only Jonah would end up on stage playing Taste Buddies oh, yeah. in front of 8,500, oh, 9,000. Depends on whose Facebook posts I read. There were as many as 12,000. <laughs> 8,000. It's yeah. always like that at NYC. I think, you know, I think. I'm here worshiping with 15 million of my closest friends. <laughs> but I did hear that our kids got to hang out a little bit, so that yeah. was fun. Nathan and Kobe they, found Maggie and Jonah, and uh, I think Maggie made it into your morning announcements for Sunday. I was about to say yeah. that. Maggie was in our morning announcements. I should say so. she's so embarrassed that that was the cut. <laughs> That made it. Uh, she's like the one I where just, she didn't uh-huh. didn't see the first word. Right? Yeah, she was like, "What? Why did they put that in there? That made me look yeah. so dumb." But oh, it was a really yeah. good video though. They like showed the whole rec hall and yeah. everything. It was one of our better ones. Oh, really? Um, okay. It was hard to get good audio in that big um, recreation hall, but it also was cool to see them walking around. They sped up the did the time lapse <laughs> thing, so yeah. that was pretty neat. Brent put some music behind it, so it was really good. Speaking of Brent, he got home and he, he bought a motorcycle. Oh, my goodness. He didn't say That's that. That's what I did the other day. I took him yeah. um, to buy a motorcycle in Norman, and we went and got coffee and caught up about NYC. Yeah. Oh, I saw, I saw him in Colorado. I saw yes, Brent I Green. I saw the pictures in Colorado. All yes, with the mountainous view. The Brent never posts pictures, <laughs> and then he goes to like Colorado, and then on yeah. his NYC trip, he went to the Grand Canyon, the Blue yeah. Hole, and I'm like seeing more pictures of Brent than I've seen in like yeah. 15 yeah. years. Well, and don't let him brag too much because he didn't post the picture of the big fish that his brother caught. His brother, his caught, brother caught the big fish. He didn't catch uh, okay. the big fish. So his I have to ask him about that. He didn't mention that. Yeah, it was such enough. a big fish that the that they, it's in the record books at the campground that we were staying at. Um, yeah, we didn't intend to stay at. The, I mean, we didn't go on vacation together. We just ended up at the same vacation destination, and they were literally three campsites from our campsite. And so we we saw each other Crazy. all the time. We fished in the same spots because. And for those who don't know. You were Brent's youth pastor. I was. And and mentor. He worked in me as a, an uh, intern slash associate. I don't remember how that all worked out. but So, yeah, now he's my associate. Yeah. So, it's fun, fun, connective 
Nazarene yeah. world that we live He's in. He's doing great stuff here. Yeah, we've got a Brent. young adult group that meets every week, and he's helping us with our worship and anything with the internet. Like two out of the three Sundays, Brent's been gone because he hadn't taken vacation forever, so he took a, some weeks off this summer. And two out of the three Sundays, he's been gone. We could not get the live stream going. <laughs> Way to go. I was like, he told me exactly how to do it, and even last week we tried to start it. And I did everything right, and it would not show up. And finally, I'm like, we just got to start church. So <laughs> I'm back there talking about us not getting it going because Brent's not there. And, and Ryan, our sound guy, is back there going, it's on. <laughs> and apparently one of his children had been back in the sound booth before during worship practice and pulled the cord out. Uh, so once Ryan found that cord and plugged it back in, it worked We're just fine. <laughs> so, crazy how that works. Yeah, so we're glad to have Brent back this week, to be honest. <laughs> we, our technology presence suffers quite a bit. So how, guys, how so. cool does Brent look on a motorcycle? Dude, I told him he was he's like 100 times cooler just by stepping on the bike. Yeah, so it, it, did he get and a big I, motorcycle I or be. a little motorcycle? Or? He got kind of a... It's it's a Suzuki, but it's not like a crotch rocket. Mm-hmm. If you don't know that term, pardon <laughs> the, the expression, but it's it's a little bigger, like almost like a touring bike mm-hmm. where it's got saddlebags yeah. and stuff, so he can. I think he wants to do some camping and stuff. My, we'll just tell Brent's whole life story. Yeah, my grandfather had a Suzuki, and um, it was a dirt bike, but it was a big dirt bike, and so he you could get a ride on the on the dirt bike, and he would go up and down. Caliche uh, pit hills and whatnot with you on the back of the the motorcycle and I remember one time he turned it over and the rubber on the end of the handlebar like the yeah. rubber cover was worn off and his finger got trapped inside the the metal mm. tube right there as it fell over Ouch. and it crushed it and crushed the fingernail and yeah I, that's a vivid memory in my head uh, yeah and he I bet. was he was the toughest guy like I just remember thinking. You're so tough, cause I think I'd have yeah. passed out right there. But he just he just stood the bike up. He got us back to safely to where we were supposed to be. We all ate lunch, and he dealt with his finger, <laughs> like. And I never saw him, you know, cry. And then and then he had to lance it and get the you know relieve the pressure. Uh, and, and it was just a tough. He's just so tough. I just remember thinking, God, my grandpa's my the toughest guy. So. My father-in-law has sewn himself up oh, okay. just to see if he could just do it. Just to sew. See, I know. Like sterilize the needle, <laughs> got some fishing line or thread, I don't oh, know. Man. Just decided, I can't. let's see if I can do this. I can't. I'm like, man, I would be on the Oh, I'd have passed out. Have, I, this is one time we were building, so whenever I was in Borger, we built the skate park. and. Um, yeah, and Jonas Field. Jonas Field, I yeah. I, I, I still have the shirt. Do you somewhere. have the shirt? The uh, So we had you know, this building that we had that was like the skate shop and I was putting siding on the building. I was finishing up the building. Siding is the And worst. I had this young man who, uh, he was kind of my summer intern and he was helping me get some things done. And, uh, and I put the, uh, I put the end of the drill, like the, so I had a handheld drill that I was using like as a screw gun. And so it had a Phillips bit on the end of it and I put that bit into the screw and went to screw and as I pushed it slipped off and it hit my thumb and so the drill bit went into my or the the Phillips bit went into my thumb right where my thumbnail and my cuticle right there at the cuticle 
Ouch. And, and I, I had like two screws left to put in this whole thing, and I'd be finished. And I just went, you know, and put these two drills, these two screws in, and told the young man, I said, "Go to lunch. I'll see you at one." And it was like eleven forty-five, and I threw my my tools inside the building. I locked the door, and I walked across the parking lot to my office. And he knocked on the door at like one fifteen. It was like, "Michael, are you okay?" I had passed out. Oh my in the floor. <laughs> And and I guess I just slept. You know, like I passed yeah. out, but then I was. I just slept, and um, and I was I'd been laying there, and my thumb was all bloody, <laughs> and you know, but just the trauma of that. I, I guess I'm kind yeah. of a wuss in that regard. But my wife, I I always have to take her to get blood drawn because she passes out. Like when she was really young, she thought she might be a nurse, but when she decided <laughs> she was going to pass out every time she saw blood, that probably wouldn't be a good thing. Yeah. So, oh Paula, I'm sorry that he told that story. You seem like a tough person to me. Oh, she is tough. <laughs> In other ways, yeah. <laughs> she's a lot tougher than me in some things. So I understand that, uh, you, or I got this weird message from Amazon, or from you, or from somewhere that said, "Hey, download this book on Amazon." I go to look at this link, yeah. and it's a book you've written. Yeah, Tell me I'm about pretty that. much a published author now. Yeah. So <laughs> I've got a new hobby, and uh, it's it's taking care of bonsai trees. And so I don't think we've talked. We haven't talked about it at all. Have no, we? Uh-uh. Um, tell me about so your yeah, bonsai I, trees. Bonsai, Danielson. Bonsai. I ordered one on Amazon, and just impulsively. I've been thinking about it for like a few months, and then I just saw one on Amazon. I ordered it. I thought this would be really cool to put in my office. I have a place I was going to put it, and uh, got it to my house. And then I started like reading up on it and watching YouTube videos, and I realized first of all that. I bought an outdoor tree to go in my office, so that was my first mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but then I, I just began to realize, like, like all these people that were doing the videos are like, this is my 11-year-old bonsai tree, and it was, like, two feet tall, you know? So it was, like, this idea of this really, really long journey uh, that I had entered into pretty impulsively, like, just by clicking a button, and two days later, here comes this tree. So immediately my mind went like to the life of faith and so i was speaking this camp this summer for northeast oklahoma and their their camp theme was sacred spaces so i wrote this book called sacred spaces the uh learning the art of bonsai in an amazon world and the whole idea is just that we live in a world that doesn't think about the long game very much yeah so like the long game of faith and and how learning how to take care of these little trees has like completely I mean it's revolutionized my idea about faith and about like um, the idea that you could think about one of the trees I looked at looked like the Keebler elf tree and it was $12,000 and I was like this is not even that good looking of a tree (laughs) but it was 113 years old so like I googled that and there was like only 25 people on the planet out of 7.5 billion that are older than this tree so wow I just I just started thinking about the long journey of faith. So yeah. it's all about just creating an environment for spiritual growth. Just like when you water a tree and fertilize it. I have to fertilize mine once a month um, because their roots don't get enough nutrients just from the soil because it's all crammed in there. They're right. you know really tiny trees. Mm-hmm. Um, so just thinking about watering, fertilizing just for a long period, even when you don't see many results. Um, 
just thinking about how many kids go to camp and they want God to like fix them. Sure. And God does some pretty incredible things in our lives, but then if we don't like water and fertilize right. and even I one of the chapters on just like basking in the light, just sitting when being with God and, and not having to always do something. Like uh, that's a sickness in our culture, I think, always having to do something. So yeah. Sure. It, it, it actually, you know, it made the number one best-selling <laughs> list for Christian and spirituality books you can read in less than an hour. For the week that I gave it away for free, it, it, it climbed the charts to number one in this really small subset. So, like, <laughs> I found out if you make the subset small enough, you could be number one at anything. Like, you know, I'm the number one pastor in Midwest City in the year 2019 um, at a Nazarene church because we're the only Nazarene church, <laughs> you know, so. Sure. But, but then once we got rid of it, um, you know, once, once the free thing ran off, I have, I have earned like $4 in royalties. So. Ah, $4. Yeah. What you, so it's going pretty good. What are you going to do with your $4? Big time sales. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think maybe a bonsai, bonsai seeds or... <laughs> Uh, a cup of coffee. One of the okay. So, yeah. You could probably yeah. get a hazelnut latte if you wanted. And one. just to let you know that $4 in royalties, like the, you get $2 a book that you sell. So <laughs> <laughs> you do the math. That's awesome. I've sold a bunch once uh, the free thing went. Well, you're. But, but I did get quite a few downloads in the free period from friends yeah. and family and kids at the camp. But, but that, and that's how I climbed so quickly up the charts in one week. But. Awesome. My 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 time at the top was very short. <laughs> well, I I have my one minute of fame. Yeah. Well, you're talking about buying a and grooming small trees that grow really slowly. But I really want a sycamore tree for my backyard because my neighbor has a two story house and they have a balcony and a window that looks right into my backyard. And so <laughs> I really want. A, and I read that uh, that a a tree could. Uh, I know what you're thinking. That you could yes. climb up yeah. and be Zacchaeus and <laughs> yes, look in their exactly. window because yes. you're a creeper. I'm a creeper. No, I'm I'm thinking. I just would like you know. Uh, you don't want them looking. I, in yeah, I just feel weird because our back window, right where our our table is, our dining room table, it, they if we open the shades, then yeah, they can see. We see them. Like if they go out on their back porch, we can see them. Which, you know, if we really had a close relationship with our neighbor, I guess that would be okay. But our neighbor, awesome, our neighbor right? tends to be the guy who owns it. Leases it out to college students, and right now it's two young ladies that we have. We we met them, but we don't know them. Right, and yeah. so it's I know it's just a it's a little weird. So we don't ever open the shade yeah. on the dining room table <laughs> right now. But but they they say that a sycamore will put out ten foot of new growth a year uh, given the right yeah. conditions. And so I'm like, yeah, I need a sycamore tree. And I grew up with a sycamore tree in my front yard, and it got to be like. 75 feet tall. It was huge. It was a massive Were tree. Were you a wee little man? Well, I climbed it, so, but Jesus never walked past. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, you know, he, he, <laughs> he more met me in the tree, I guess, that you could say, than he than yeah. walking past. But. I was about to say, yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe you weren't a tax collector. Yeah. Jesus just walked on by because he figured your parents had, yeah. had introduced you to him already. Yes. That's true. That's true. That it happened. That it, that it happened. So no, um, I I think I would like those too because we have carpenter ants that are killing our trees. Oh, 
And so we lose, like, we have a ton of trees in our lot, and I love it because in the evening there's a lot of shade, so you can sit out in the backyard and play games. We had a bunch of people over last night. We had, like, 30 or 40 people from the church over, and just having that shade is awesome. Yeah. So I may need both. I may need the small trees that take forever, and I may need a sycamore tree actually in the yard Yeah. so that it will spread its branches and give us much shade. Yes, uh, I need, I'll have to plant a different kind of grass. Um, right now, though, it's so yeah, it's so yeah. hot here, and there has been so little uh, rain lately that um, it just my grass is dying. I need to I need to treat it better. But a, a shady tree would would help out a little bit, I think. So so we were flooded with water up until like a week or two ago, mm-hmm. and I was amazed at how fast my grass went from being perfectly green to like yellow. <laughs> Like I was, I cut it real short on accident, um, shorter than I meant to. I had the mower blade down one one lower level lower than normal, and so, like when everybody came over, it's starting to yellow now. It's it's still a little green, but but it had been so wet. I thought, well, it'll probably be fine, you know. Like, but just give it a week of like ninety to a hundred degree temperatures, and it can't, imagine it just it can't dries tolerate really it. Quickly. Can't tolerate yeah. it. Can't tolerate so, it. So, Michael, what have you been learning lately? What's the Lord been teaching you? I thought we'd just catch up a little bit today. Well, you know, um, I think probably the most profound thing that I'm dealing with is uh, you can't automate ministry. You That's right. You just can't automate it. You, you know. Uh, you can try. Yeah, we, we got this thing going. You know, Wayfinder says you can try. You can certainly try. Lots and of people are, are trying to, yeah, and... But we have we have this kind of franchise mentality about planting churches. You know what what can we package up and what can we hand to a church planner and say, "Hey, listen, here are some of the things that that we figured out." Um, you mean like church in a box? Yeah, yeah. Like, and we you know I every Sunday we set up and tear down a church in a box. It's literally. I know. I'm just being yeah. a smart aleck church. <laughs> but that's a, I mean, that's actually the stamp on it, church in a box. And so then that kind of mentality oh, where you go to it and you go, all right, well, how do we, how can we hand somebody something? Because a lot of times you get this response, well, I wouldn't know the first thing about doing that. Well, how could we clue you into the first thing about doing that so that it doesn't become so overwhelming? And so, I mean, it's, and that's that's helpful to a point. I it think. is, but then you know, just this idea that uh, there's there's a problem with that because you're supposed to exercise, you know, if you if you have a calling on your life, which I think everyone has a calling on their life, if you're going to answer the call, then you have to exercise discernment, um, you know, or exercise the authority of that call and that discernment that you exercise to to know how to. You know, because I, I get the, okay. So we put everything in, right? We have a visitor, they come, they fill out a connection card. We put that all into the database, and then the database reminds me: you need to send them a handwritten note. You need to give them a call, send them out the welcome email. You know, and somebody needs to contact them within the first twenty-four hours that they of their visit. You know, and and I think, well, you know, that's great. Thank you for the reminders, but I really want. Uh, to whenever I respond to that, I really want to respond because I care, 
Not because, <laughs> not because I, I was I have obligated to, go do to a checkbox from a database that we set up. You know, now we set up the database so that it would remind us to care, I guess. I'm not, I'm not really sure. And it gets a little bit convoluted. And then I think, you can't automate this. Like, right. you know, I don't know. We, if can't, you, we can't create our uh, robots that will go do our bidding eventually and do the calling for yes, us. Yes, right? yes. Like, what? what the, how, how? Thank you for right. coming to church last week. <laughs> it was good to see you. It delivers a, you know, a, a recorded message from the pastor when you're in the hospital. You know, like yeah. a robot rolls in with an iPad <laughs> and holds it up, and it's you saying, I'm so sorry you're sick. We're praying for you. God bless. Take care. You know, there's you can't yeah. you can't automate and, these things. And then you have a last rights one, like if you think they're dying, <laughs> and you hope you don't get it confused. Right. <laughs> Just send it to a pregnant woman. Go to woman. somebody yeah, with yeah. a cold. Oh, yeah. yeah no, somebody with the common cold. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> May the Lord have mercy on your soul. Rest in <laughs> Rest, peace. Yes. Oh, how awful. Why did I go I don't there? know, but, <laughs> but my mind well, is racing, and I'm trying not to say all of the things that I'm thinking right now. So What we found out is that, like, some people want different things, too. Like, you know, we I've had a couple of people come to my church and say the reason why they were there, the last church we went to wouldn't, wouldn't leave us alone. Like, every time we missed a Sunday, they wanted to call us, and they wanted to check on us. They wanted to make sure we were still coming to church. <laughs> and... The, it's like this huge insecurity out there about church members, I guess. So, yeah. so then you have to learn which church member wants to be contacted. And, and I know all those systems are, are good, and you can actually insert some of those kind of more uh, personal comments in, in those things as well. But, but I get what you're saying. Um, there's not a system. There's not a formula. And, and when, when people are doing their calling, then there's, there's, there's this kind of desire. Sure to do those things. And there's also kind of a synergy because we're not working on our own. The Lord is working through us. And then also we're, we're working with others then to, to help them find their calling. Well, sure. So it's, and that's part of yeah. discipleship. I mean, your, your book that you were talking about earlier, it's about discipleship. And even in your description about your learning curve with bonsai trees, you were talking about discipleship. You don't know what the whole package is all at once. And so there's right. this learning curve that takes place. And, and whenever we're talking about automating ministry, there's this, uh, you know, you have to know what people don't know and what they do know. And you have, in order to do that, you have to have authentic relationship and you have to exercise discernment, you know. And so you got to, it's more about, uh, it, I, I wish I were good at strategy or strategizing in regards to uh, how to put the right person on the right task. Um, how to see yeah, that as yeah. uh, and, and not see people as cogs or or pieces of machinery in this in this system, but or just warm bodies throwing them somewhere where they don't belong. Right, like because you got a hole in your ministry to fill. Right, it can't be automated. Like you know, I think uh, I have a young lady who's our our, our uh, children's uh, director, and uh, she's going to start some uh, a new phase in her schooling um, when we get to December. And, you know, the temptation is, okay, so let's get a bunch of curriculum in here and let's create a system where we can just throw anybody in there and they can just do it, right? Well, that's, I mean, right. she does what she does because she's passionate about what she does. Right, You know, yeah. I read this story one time. Actually, I didn't read it. I heard this, this guy tell it. Uh, of his, of, he was a pastor and he said, you know, I did this really uh, kind of dangerous thing. Uh, 
we didn't have a nursery worker, and I asked everybody, can we have a nursery worker? And uh, he said, and nobody wanted to sign up for the nursery, and so, uh, you know, then we had these people who weren't passionate about it, kind of doing it out of obligation, and one day I just went in and closed the nursery down, and uh, put, put a, like, crime scene tape on the, <laughs> on the door, like yellow and black tape on the door, and put a sign on that tape that said, closed for lack of passion. <laughs> And, uh, and it, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's you know it's kind of you know a little on the crazy end of things. But he said I closed it for the lack of passion. And he said within two weeks I had a passionate person going. No, those children need somebody to love them and share with them the stories of faith, even at that tender age. You know. Right. Yeah. And uh, and he said, but until we were willing to close down the obligation side of things. We couldn't find the passionate people, you know, and so I think sometimes right. when we've automated things, uh, we create staff-driven churches um, that that don't give laity an opportunity to participate. And so this is just—I mean, yes, what God is teaching me right now. This is, yeah, I, I'm thinking a lot on this as we grow as a as a, a fledgling congregation, um, and and there are things to do, and who ha- you know, I, I don't want to ask people to do things because they need do, and I want to ask people what their passion is and then give them room to live out their passion right yeah well those are some great thoughts and i i'm even thinking of our church there's some areas where we we have some needs and it's it's always tempting to just want to plug somebody in there and just um man sometimes it is hard to find people who have that passion and maybe being a little more radical about it's not a bad way way to think about <laughs> well, it. Well, you know, because yeah. I think in our society we're trained that that we should be able to just go there and find people who will take care of our kids or whatever. Right. You know, so it's like there's this expectation that somebody else is going to do it, and it would never dawn on somebody that maybe that's where my passion might be, yeah. uh, rather than just dropping off my kids. Maybe God might be calling me to take care of other mm-hmm. kids. And so because that staff-driven mindset has permeated church culture, then a lot of times what people do is they're like, well, I'll just go somewhere where somebody's getting paid to do it. Sure. And our, our theology doesn't, doesn't dictate that to us at all, though. That's, that's yeah, how, right? our, our theology would say you're created in the image of God, so you are created right. in, the, in the image of a creative God, and so therefore you are creative. So you're going to have passions and you're going to have desires and you're going to have, you know, and then we, we also believe that we all have gifts and talents. You know, we're all apo- right. apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, you know, these things that Paul lists in, in his epistle. Uh, but we, we, as we think through that, we're really supposed to be answering the call and exercising the authority uh, and and exercising the discernment that comes with that uh, with that calling, um, and then that's the authority of the holy of the Holy Spirit at work in us. And I think the image of God shines brightest when we do that. And so my theology tells me one thing, but then because I got to keep up with the Joneses or the Methodists or the you know who, who the neighbor down the street because well they have this program so we should have this program you know um, right yeah. and the expectations like you said of culture then uh, I, I pitch my theology to the side, and then I start strategizing. Uh, not a strategy of where to put people, but what programs to create, and then we'll worry about the people second. Uh, right, yeah. The, the, who's going to man this thing second? Where we ought to be worrying about what has God called you to, right? I think sometimes I, I'm guilty, and I hate that I'm guilty of this, but I, I do something, and then I, I pray, Lord, would you please bless what I've done? 
instead, yeah. <laughs> instead of I think we all yeah, have that tendency. Instead of asking, as, you know, what do you want me to do? Yeah. And, yeah. Anyway. Well, for me, I've been I've been kind of just uh, thinking about, especially uh, the Sermon on the Mount, um, the very first beatitude. I, I I've just been listening and reading some things about this idea that. Um, nothing is really mine. I don't own anything. Mm. And uh, mm. that whole idea of being poor in spirit, or as Luke just says it, just being poor, um, learning that, that really everything, and, and I've been kind of in this, uh, my wife thinks it's a kind of depressing <laughs> mode, but this to me is more of just like a real, Are you ready realistic. to sell everything and, and, and move out? Well, into not, <laughs> not just that, but more of a like, uh, we're all going to die. So, so that's, <laughs> Kind of oh, been, yeah, that's a little more depressing. I did, yeah. yeah, I did a morning meditation, um, <laughs> and basically it was this. It, the, the name of it was, you're going to die, and that's good news. <laughs> and, and my wife hates to even think that way. But oh, the idea goodness. from Ecclesiastes uh, being that, that um, you know, this life is finite, and we don't know about tomorrow. None of the stuff we have is really ours. Mm-hmm. We've all been raised up by God, even the breath that we have, the very life that we live. Yeah. Um, and so somebody's going to get it when we die. Yeah. Um, Especially if it's a 113-year-old so, bonsai tree. There you yeah. go, right. And they better not kill it. <laughs> I won't know. Oh, yeah, but, I won't um, <laughs> But no, somebody's going to get it when we die. And so there's this idea that like, all the stuff we worry about so much of the time is really stuff that's that's going to pass away, that's not really going to matter. And also that um, what Ecclesiastes says about that is we should just learn to enjoy, uh, to seek the Lord now, to enjoy the things that we've been given, to enjoy the work we've been called to. And, um, and so um, when you realize that none of it's yours anyway, you can hold it a little more lightly. And then it all kind of comes back to you because you realize while nothing is yours, everything is yours. Like everything, like, you know, that bird in my backyard that's eating out of my bird feeder, I didn't make that happen, but God has made it happen. And so it's really mine. And then I think for ministry's sake, that just tells me that, Nate, the church isn't yours. Like, right? yeah. So yeah, like, it's not yours. like, this is mine, actually. And you've just been called to a really small part of it. And... And once I let go of that, then then I can trust that God's at work. Like last sure. Sunday, I thought I preached the worst sermon I've preached in a while. I, you know, sometimes you just get up there and I was like, was I just rambling? Did I put everybody to sleep? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had two people come up to me and say, man, that was a great sermon. Yeah. And people that wouldn't just say that. Right, like, right. You know, people that, that really felt like God was speaking to them. And so it just reminded me. That God often speaks in spite of me. Right. Like, like it's not mine. Right. It's it's God's work. Well, that put and yeah, so, that rightly puts him as the strategist, right? Yeah. And so then if you answer the calling that you have and you exercise uh, the discernment. The demons. Yeah, no, no. no, if you exercise the discernment that you've been given with your with your gifting, and then that his authority will be what you're acting in not in your own authority. Right. And so yeah. there's just this... You always bring it back around. I love the way you do that. <laughs> oh, it's just the way my mind thinks. I, I, That's I, why I couldn't pontificate cycle. by myself well, yeah. with anybody else. But the, isn't it cool, though? Every, I mean, everything's a cycle, right? 
everything works in this cyclical kind of way. And I think that's why we exist as the church. Like that's, that's our, that's our role is to help people break out of the cycles they've been stuck in and give them some, give them a better story. Unfortunately, we don't always give them a better story because we don't always speak, you know, good news. But when we do, sometimes we're caught up in the same story they're in, yes. but we just make it look a little different. We do, a nice and, and, and it's usually cleaner. one of those strategizing stories. You know, it's some yeah. dominate dominant story within culture rather than the story of the gospel. And so it's like, uh, yeah, we're successful. We've raised our attendance. We've raised yes. so much money. Uh-huh. It's it's the same story, just not not you know, it's not the gospel story. Right. Where it's like, oh wait, here's how you find your life. Lose it. <laughs> Which is man, I, so nuts. Philippians yeah. has been killing oh, me, dude. It's it's Philippians all centered around that Christ, you know, mm-hmm. who being in very nature mm-hmm. God did not consider. Yeah. So this whole idea that up is down and man, that's messing with me. Why in is in a good way? Why is others centered, self sacrificing love so difficult for us when it is actually what yields the most joy and peace? Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, yeah, self-control, yeah. all the things we're looking for. Other-centered, self-sacrificing love is what gets us to that, but it's so hard to, right. to participate in that. And what Paul says in that whole little letter is just basically that, that you cannot stop that. Like, like it, is, it doesn't matter if they throw you in jail. <laughs> it that, the gospel gets furthered yeah. when you get thrown in jail. It doesn't matter if you even die because then you are with Jesus. It doesn't matter if people preach for false motives. You know, we get jealous of the church down the road. Yeah. And they might even be preaching for true motives. But, but Paul says even if they're preaching for the wrong reasons, God's word is going forth and God's going to make, you know, so it's just like, yeah. yeah. Um, why can't we get that, that when we finally let go of it, mm-hmm. then God brings it all back? Oh, sure. That it is that self-sacrificing love. I always say, is there really any other kind of love? Because you don't really love somebody if you're not willing to give up. Stuff. No, you're just calling it love. You're just yeah. You're, you're not because like I mean, you think about a parent. What do you give up? Sleep. You give up a schedule that you're used to. You give up all the things you prefer yeah. because you're now caring for a child. Like like love always sacrifices. If it doesn't, then it's dysfunctional. Yeah, it's it's affection or uh, you know some. But we always get into the self-protection mode, and I think mm-hmm. that's that's where we're at. Is is we if we could trust God enough to say, my strategizing isn't going to get it done. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> me me being in control of it isn't going to get it done. But when we finally let it go and and just pour our lives into it, yeah, and give ourselves away. I saw this interview with this pastor one time, and they said, "What's your strategy for love?" And he said, "My strategy for love is to collapse completely upon Christ." Yeah. I mean, Oof. isn't that good? Like, I'm just like, yes. Who was that? Or is it one of those oh, names you it, don't want to say? Yeah. No, it, 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 the problem is, is that I don't think I remember his name. I, I apologize okay. for that, which I usually am there's pretty a good few about. Names where, yeah. There's a few names that I don't want to drop on a podcast necessarily. Brian McLaren. As soon as you do, somebody's like, heretic. Brian McLaren. You listen to Rob heretic. Bell, she, uh, yeah. <laughs> Peter, uh, Peter Rollins, you know. Yes, I read heretics. Yes, I do. And I also talk to them all the time <laughs> in the form of people who think they know, <laughs> think they know. about the gospel. Oh, yeah. That are confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
And, and people don't understand that just because you read somebody doesn't mean you agree with everything. Oh, I know, say. I know. Leonard Sweet has been thrown under the bus for years because he'll quote, oh, man. he'll quote anybody and then say, well, if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and you found truth, then you must have found Jesus. It didn't matter who said it. You know? And that's basically what Paul says, yeah. you know, is that <laughs> everything that's true is from God. Mm-hmm. So, he, you know, yeah. he's... Yeah. Hey, well, let me he tell you about this. Let me tell you about this unknown God. You yeah, know, I, this God that you say is unknown. Yeah. Nowadays, it'd be like, oh, Paul was talking about an idol. <laughs> oh, and yeah. he used it to talk about God. Yeah. I don't know if you can do that. Yeah. Heretic. Oh, yeah. We, we, have to, we have to have sanctified everything. You know? It was another religion. Yeah. And, and, and the Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. Yes, he is the truth. So if the other religion is caught on to some of the truth, and they might know a little bit about they Jesus might, and not even know And it. don't even know they know Jesus, right? Yeah, this, don't even know they know a little bit about Jesus. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow, I'm just, I'm wading into the heretical water. <laughs> pull me back, Michael. <laughs> well, I, I have a hard back. time. I have a hard time because I don't have a life jacket in that. In that. <laughs> um, I'm out there with you. You're usually out there pulling me further. I'm, yeah, no, I'm... I'm, I like those those. Hey, I don't think comments. you're a good preacher if you haven't been called a heretic at least once. Oh, well, yeah, I've been. Hey, you, I won't say who, but one of my former interns was talking to my current interns and said, "Yeah, that Nate, he's a real liberal." <laughs> I was like, "I'm a liberal? Yeah. That's funny, because half the people on my Facebook." Be- feed think i'm too conservative oh yeah yeah oh yeah just so. depends on where you're standing if you're standing on yeah you know, and i think paul i mean paul if you're talking about thing, if you're talking about like on the trump bandwagon no i'm not that far right yeah but i'm not you know i'm <laughs> but i'm also not out there in the uh the the furthest left end either no, so. uh-uh. i think probably I, we end up trying to be a bridge uh, Phyllis Tickle, which is another name we probably shouldn't say on a podcast because she's a bit of a heretic as well. Because it makes me laugh. Because yeah. <laughs> her name is Tickle. Phyllis Get Tickle, it? yes, I do. But, Dad jokes. But she, she says that uh, you know somebody's got to play the role of the tether that keeps the the dock and the ship together. You know, because uh, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of people who who. Are, are conservatives standing on the dock and there's a bunch of people who are progressive on the on the ship um, and then there's got to be somebody who's willing to play the role of the tether who would keep us all together and in this conversation uh, Dan Boone would say holy love keeps us in the conversation um, you know regardless of whether or not we agree or, or disagree uniformity right. uniformity is not the goal of the church unity is the goal of the church right I love tether ball but I don't know if that <laughs> Um, so another 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 person um, that I don't know how how people feel about, but I was listening to Richard Rohr, or yeah, listening to Richard Rohr. This is the one of the greatest quotes I've heard in a long time. Yeah. So I'm, I was looking it up on my Facebook while you were talking about tethering and <laughs> Phyllis Tickle. I heard you. Yeah, that. yeah, sure you did. Um, this whole liberal conservative thing is such a disaster. Because it makes both of us avoid the gospel. Oh, come on, Richard. Richard Rohr just boom-roasted the world. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, yeah, we can get caught up in all that stuff, mm-hmm. and we can call people heretics, but it's just keeping us from loving our neighbor. That's right. Honest. That's a good place yeah. to stop right there. That's a great place to yeah. stop. Hey, man, I love you. I am excited that you're going to Camp Bond. My son, Nathan, will be there as a counselor and his wife, Kobe. And my other son, Tyler, will be there 
in the band. Oh, yeah. I've seen him already once this year in the band. Yeah. Yeah, he does a good and job. And is your family coming? Did I hear that? They're, they're going to try. Not all of them are available because some of them have football practice. Gotcha. Um, but, uh, some of them. <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha. you. So. Well, let me tell you something. If I can sneak down there, we might just do a live pontificating pastors. That would be so much fun. We'll see. I hope you get to do it. We'll see if something like that could happen. All right. All right. Hey, love you, bro. Love you too. Take Have care. Have a good day. All right. Bye. All right. See you. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.